All right, so we're eight days in. How you doing on your uh, New Year's resolutions today? Uh, how you doing on those, those things that you were planning on doing for this year? Well, uh, if you need some positive spin for your New Year's resolutions, the Riverton Library in Riverton, New Jersey, is offering you an opportunity to come this week and to make a Remember Lucian's jar. That were good. That was great. A Remember Lucian's jar. Well, what is a Remember Lucian's jar? Well, a Remember Lucian's jar is a place that you put your Remember Lucian's. Well, what are Remember Lucian's? Well, they're kind of like resolutions, but they're a little bit different. See, they are a little piece of paper that's not about what you want to do or what you think you want to do, but it's a little piece of paper about what you actually do. A little piece of paper that reminds you of the achievements of the year. A little piece of paper that reminds you of the positive things that have happened this year, of the, of the good things that happened in your life. And therefore, that jar is not a jar of resolutions, but remember-lutions. Remember-lutions that help you see that God is at work in your life. Now, that's a pretty positive spin, isn't it? Pretty, pretty positive spin on resolutions. It takes a little bit of the, of the stress away from, you know, all those workout regiments that you're thinking you got to do this year. you got to get back to the gym, got to work on all that stuff. And, and a, a remember-lution takes all that stress away because it's, it's not about, you know, getting back to the gym. Also, a remember-lution really helps you from thinking about the resolutions you didn't do from last year, right? You know, the ones that you didn't make it to and, and all the stress of, oh, well, I never got around to that. But wouldn't it be nice if we didn't have to have a spin at all? Wouldn't it be nice if there, if there wasn't a positive spin that you needed for your resolutions this year? Wouldn't it be nice if you could step into 2017 and not be anxious about what may or may not happen and anxious about what you may or may not accomplish? Wouldn't it be good to, to have a new year like that? One day Jesus was surrounded by a, a crowd of people. I mean, literally just thousands of people. And among the thousands of people, there were also some of his closest friends. And among his closest friends, he began to talk to them very directly. And what did he tell them? Well, he gave them some no-spin advice. And it's some good advice not just for them, but for me and for you. Look at Luke chapter 12, beginning with verse 25. Jesus says, And which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life's span? One of the best resolutions that you can have is this. Do not worry. <laughs> That's one of the best resolutions you can have. One of the best remember-lutions you could have is on December 31st to pull out a bunch of little pieces of paper from your jar that says, I did not worry. And that'd be a good remember Lucian. The funny thing about when we're worrying, though, is in that moment, we're convinced that we're doing something that's helping. You know, when, when we're worrying, we're convinced that we're, we're making changes. You know? We rant and I rave to our spouse about something, or we... We stress and we strain with our coworkers about something. We wheeze and we whine to our friends. And, and all the while, we think that our mental meltdowns and all our hot air is really accomplishing something. I and mean, we, we think that our worrying is actually changing something. 
But let me just kind of help us and hurt us a little bit, help and hurt our feelings by, by hopefully offering a few uh, possible realities about what's really going on. Your spouse is probably just trying to avoid or ignore your chronic case of the fret virus. They're just trying to, to steer around you. Your coworkers, they're probably hoping that you'll get promoted to the company's office down at the South Pole and just get as far away as possible. Your friends, now they're probably always going to be a stress board for you because you're the one who always buys the lattes and the blueberry scones when you go out so that you can tell them about all the things that you're worrying about. So the reality is for all of us, we probably need to go give everyone in our lives a, a Coke and a smile just because they listen to so many of our warts of worry. Worrying is part of our lives. But Jesus gives some pretty simple advice. It's not just a potential reality. It's a real-life promise. And his real-life promise is this. Worry will not help you. And worry cannot help you. Worry will not help me, and worry will not help you. And he gives some really simple math to back up his point. He says here that if we worry, we will not be able to add an hour to our lives. In fact, most of us know that worrying usually takes an hour of our life away or, or sometimes more, and sometimes it takes even more away than just an hour. A review by cardiologist Dr. James Beckerman says this, Having too much stress for too long is bad for your heart. If you're often stressed and you don't have good ways to manage it, you are more likely to have heart disease, high blood pressure, chest pain, or irregular heartbeats. Well, there you go. Proof that worrying will not bless your heart. It will do the opposite. Jesus says worry will not bless your heart. And the reality is worry will also let you grow taller. It will not add a foot to your life. In fact, worrying might cause you to kind of slouch over some and kind of become a little hunchback, you know. The reality is that slouching and that hunching really does do something. In fact, it, it causes shallow breathing. Prevention Magazine had an article where posture expert Carol Krukoff said this, Shallow chest breathing strains the lungs which must move faster to ensure adequate oxygen flow, and it taxes the heart, which is forced to speed up to provide enough blood for oxygen transport. And so what you have is this vicious cycle where stress prompts shallow breathing, which in turn creates more stress. <laughs> I'm just full of good news today, right? So, so the reality is when moms are telling their kids to stand up straight, they're just trying to prevent future stress, you know, trying to keep them from not having shallow breathing later on. But, but there's some truth to that, you know. That, that slouched over, that hunched over, that, that stressed posture can actually affect your breathing and actually increase stress. So it won't cause you to, to grow taller. You know, worry will not add an hour to your life, and it will not add a foot to your height. And worry also will not add any hair to your head. Now, I know this from personal experience. That worrying will not add hair to your head. Look, I love you, but the reality and the cold hard facts is in the last two years since I have been your pastor, I have lost more hair than all of the years previous. It's just, just how things are going. Now, now, on the flip side, I also in the last two years have been given more bacon than I've ever received ever in my life. So, you know, I got that going for me. 
And if for some terrible, awful, physiological, anomalical, anomalical, that's not a word, physiological anomaly. Let's go with that one. If there is a physiological, forget it, you know what I'm trying to say. If for any reason there's a connection between bacon and hair loss, I'll be bald by Groundhog Day and, and I'll be worried. The Bible does not describe worry as a physiological anomaly. The Bible does not describe worry as an emotional handicap. When the Bible talks about the things that we have in life and and what we have and what we need, the Bible actually describes worry as sin. This is what David Guzik writes. There may be greater sins than worry, but there are none more self-defeating and useless. See, worry... Worry will distress you, and worry will discourage you, and worry will defeat you. That's part of the reason why Jesus says in amazingly kind and clear language, worry will not help you. Worry cannot help you. It is not possible. So how do we know that? Look at what Jesus says next. If then you cannot do even a very little thing like adding an hour to your life, If you can't do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? This is is an interesting exclamation point on what he just said. Just think about it this way. You cannot add an hour to your life by looking at the clock and worrying why they haven't wheeled you back yet for your surgery. You, You can't add an hour to your life looking at the clock and worrying. You can't add an an hour to your life, nor can you add a foot to your height by standing in front of the mirror and worrying about whether the high school basketball coach will let someone on the team who's not tall enough to ride rides at the state fair. You're not going to add a foot to your life worrying about that. You're not going to add any hair to your head Standing and looking at the mirror and worrying about whether one day when it all falls out, if you're going to look like Bruce Willis or Elmer Fudd. You're just not going to gain any air from worrying. You won't gain any height. You won't gain any time. You won't gain any hair from worrying. Worrying will not help you. Worrying cannot help you. And that's why Jesus said what he said just four sentences back. He says, do not worry about your life. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be stressed out. Easier said than done, though, right? I mean, we all have areas of our life where we worry. But that doesn't mean it's all right. I mean, Jesus is saying here, don't do it. Last week, we talked about how worry is kind of a form of idolatry. When we are worrying, we are actually worshiping. We're we're worshiping through our worry. We're saying with our worry that in that moment, we believe that our circumstances or our potential circumstances have more power and more authority than God has. Last week, we had a little rendition where we reimagined some of our Sunday songs with the attitudes that we normally have during the week. What would our hymns sound like during the week if we sang them the way that we are really thinking? So here's round two of the iTunes Worry remix for this Sunday and this Sunday's songs. Better is one win on the court. Better is one win for the team. Better is one win for the court. Or you lose thousands of dollars in future ticket sales. It's an attitude we really think. 
How about this one? Oh, 4,000 shares to hold if my favorite stock rises high. The glory of my retirement will either live or die. You sing that when you pick up the paper. You know you do. Or in a little while we'll sing this one. Bless them all, bless them all. I really need them all. I would be lost without her. Let's shop just one more store. I need one pair more of skinny jeans that have knees with many holes. <laughs> Worry is worship. It is. It's just not worshiping God. And so Jesus is trying to help his disciples. He's, he's trying to help me and he's trying to help you. He's, he's trying to help us eliminate worry in our lives. But eliminating worry sounds like a big deal. I mean, I mean, how could Jesus eliminate worry in our lives? Could Jesus eliminate worry in our lives by making sure that we actually do get taken back on time when it's time for surgery? Yeah, Jesus could eliminate some worry that way. Could Jesus eliminate worry in our lives by making sure that from 8th grade to ninth grade we really do grow another foot taller and, and maybe we are ready for the basketball team? Yeah, Jesus could make us do that. Could Jesus help us to have an experience where, where one night you know, we wake up the next morning and, and we've had like a Chia Pet thing happen on our head and, and we just have a whole head of hair all of a sudden? Yeah, 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 Jesus could do that. And Jesus might get you to surgery on time. And Jesus might help you grow a foot taller between 8th and ninth grade. But if he doesn't, if he doesn't, if he doesn't do any of those things, and he probably won't do the chia pet thing, but if he doesn't do any of those things, Jesus has still given us everything that we need for our worry because he's given us his truth. Now, is it mystical truth? Is it Da Vinci Code truth? Is it, is it something that's, that's hard to understand and, and hard to read and, and hard to analyze? No, not at all. No, no, everything that we are saying here this morning, everyone in we worship and everyone in kids worship, they can get. See, Jesus speaks in such a way that his truth can be heard and seen and followed even by a child. And so what's the truth that Jesus gives? Well, this is what he says, verse 27. Consider the lilies. <laughs> Strange truth, right? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon. And all his glory clothed himself like one of these. As I've already proven in this message, I often use bacon as a sermon illustration. And the reason I do that is because everybody knows what bacon is, right? If for some reason you don't know what bacon is, Please come find me after service and we will get you the help that you need. But most everybody knows what bacon is. See, there's a reason that week by week I don't use pancetta piacentini as a sermon illustration. One that will require too much explanation and has way too many syllables. You know, I don't use big long words like that. I just, just use bacon because people know what bacon is. I'm pretty sure that's exactly what Jesus is doing here, the same kind of thing. See, when he says lilies, unless you have two green thumbs, most of us, we, we just think of like maybe an Easter lily. But Jesus probably isn't talking about an Easter lily, and, and not just because Easter had not happened yet. The reality is he's talking about probably some wildflowers that he could have turned around and pointed to behind him in a field. He talked about something that all of his disciples would be familiar with. 
and pretty much anybody else in the crowd would know about. It's something that was common. Dr. Carolyn Roth is a master gardener and a tree steward in Roanoke, Virginia. She says that possibly these wildflowers that Jesus is talking about is something called an anemone coronaria, or a wind flower that grows wild around Israel and Palestine and Jordan in that area. This is what she said about this particular wind flower. The more sun, the more water required for it to thrive. However, it does not respond well to constantly soggy soil. How does soil get soggy? Too much water, right? How did Dick and Jane and Dow and you get soggy with stress? Too much worry. Same picture here. See, we get soggy with worry, and and we really can't carry out our daily responsibilities very well. When we get soggy with worry, we can't carry out our responsibilities in unique circumstances and when troubles and trials pop up in life. Dr. Carolyn Raw had one of those times with her husband, Bruce. They were out in their garden working, and Bruce was walking ahead of her, and, and suddenly he just collapsed and fell over a rock wall there in their garden. By the time she got to him, he was unconscious. He had to be rushed to the hospital, and by God's grace, he, he did recover. But this is what she said about that experience. Initially, I was beyond worried, almost to panic. Then my spirit became very calm. The calmness was the result of our very Christian neighbors praying for both of us. Later, our church family joined these prayers. And then she says, This incident made me realize that I do not have control of my life or my husband's life. Health alterations can happen in a second. Worrying about basic needs such as food and clothing and health does not change the need for them. And then she says this, Worry does nothing but disturb an individual's peace of mind. As the same thoughts and concerns intrude into the mind, hour after hour and day after day, what changes life is taking our worries and our anxieties to God in prayer and letting Him give us back peace. I love that last part, that picture. God giving us back peace. Why does he have to give it back to us? Why does God have to give peace back to us? Well, the reason he has to give peace back to us is because we left it on the table next to our bed that morning. Or we left it on the kitchen counter next to our coffee cup. Or we left it in the pew from last Sunday. Or we left it in the chair from Bible study. Or we didn't have enough room to fit it in with everything that we needed for the operating room. Or we didn't have enough room to fit it in with all the stuff we were taking on vacation. Or we didn't have enough room to fit it in with all of our tailgating stuff. And and there wasn't enough room for peace on the sofa next to us while we were watching the game. And I'm not talking about an actual Bible that we're leaving. I'm talking about the truth of the Bible. See, the truth that we find in God's Word comes with peace. So when we leave the truth, we're leaving the peace. The peace that Jesus died to give to us. See, when we worry, God's not doing anything wrong. When we worry, God's not dropping his end of things. When we worry, God is not failing. 
2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this, His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. <laughs> Everything's kind of a big word, right? It kind of covers all of the bases. So God says that he will provide everything that we need for life through Jesus. Just before he was crucified, Jesus said this to his friends. John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. That's great. Jesus knows what's about to happen. He, he turns to his friends. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be afraid. Don't let your heart worry. Don't do it. Why? Because Jesus said, I'm going to give you my peace. My peace. The Prince of Peace giving us his peace. So when we worry, it's not because Jesus tied a string to his peace in our lives. And he yanks it out every now and then. And when he yanks it out, oh, that's when I'm supposed to start worrying. No, that's not what's happening. See, when we worry, what we are doing is we are saying, Jesus, I know your peace, I see your peace, I've heard about your peace, but right now I'm going to choose my worry and not choose your peace. I'm going to choose to put all of my focus and all of my attention on my worry, and I'm going to ignore the peace that you died to give to me. Now, is that easy to do? No, it's really not. It is, it is such a fight. It is so hard in that moment to not worry. But the fight is worth it. And so when we are worrying, when we are wrapped up in stress, what we are doing is we are saying right now, I am choosing to not fight to enjoy the peace that I have in Jesus. I'm choosing to not fight to remember that I have an everlasting friendship with the Prince of Peace. So how do we fight better? How do we fight more? Well, Jesus gives us the, the key. <laughs> Consider the lilies. <laughs> that just seems like strange advice, right? Consider the lilies. But look at the second part. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon and all his glory clothed himself like one of these. So what do we know about Solomon? Well, he was the richest and wealthiest and wisest man who ever lived on the earth. He had mega walk-in closets at all kinds of houses all over the place with plenty of fantastic clothes. He had the finest clothes in the world at that time, and the reality is he probably had the finest clothes that have ever been made in the history of the world. And Jesus says, if you take Solomon's clothes and you put them in a runway competition with the clothes of wildflowers at a Paris fashion show, the wildflowers will win hands down. Why? Because nobody had to work and toil and spin thread to make clothes for the wildflowers. See, they're beautiful naturally. I'll tell you about one of the, one of the coolest things that happens in our church every single it's flowers every week. For years and years, Miss Johnny Neese was the associate pastor of flowers at Holland Avenue Baptist Church. And some other ladies like Ann Smith and Ann Penn and, and Francis Richardson and, 
and uh, who am I forgetting? And Jackie, sorry, Jackie, and Jackie. I mean, we, we and others of you, we, we have all kinds of, of ladies here in this church that what they do is they'll take these flowers right here, and tomorrow morning they'll divide up these flowers in little vases, and they will take those vases to people who are homesick, people who are in the hospital, people who are at assisted living centers or nursing homes or, or anybody else that might need something. And why do they do that? Well, they do that because they love God and they love people, and it's their way of serving. But you know why else they do that? Because God has convinced them that as soon as they walk in that room, that that little vase of flowers is going to encourage someone's heart. And you know why? Because flowers are beautiful. It's, it's, just, it's just what they do. It's, it's who they are. And so when Jesus says, consider the lilies, he's, he's talking in such simple language for us, something that we can understand. Even when he's talking about not worrying, he's using simple language that we can understand. So think of it this way. If a wildflower is out in the forest and the sun at just the right time hits that wildflower so that it just radiates with beauty, but no one is there to see it, is it still beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what's so cool about what Jesus is saying. Wildflowers that may never get seen, God gives them beautiful clothes. Beautiful clothes, even though no one may ever see them. Big deal. What does it have to do with you? Listen to what Jesus says next. Verse 28. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? You know, the vibe here is that, that Jesus is kind of telling his disciples, you guys don't have enough faith. You know, just, just like me and you, the disciples needed to increase their confidence in God. They need to increase their trust in God. They needed to increase their faith in God. The choir sang it, walk by faith and not by sight. We, we do a lot of walking by sight. So we, we need a song to remind us, wait a minute, I can walk by faith because the gospel will prevail. I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. So it's clear that Jesus is pointing to their lack of faith, but, but I don't think it mocks the text. For me to also say this, that a little faith will go a long way. Just like a little bit of worry will create a lot of stress. A little bit of faith will create a lot of hope. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this, The essence of worry is the absence of thought. It is a failure to think. So you might be thinking, so what are you saying, preacher? You're saying that uh, all my worry and all of my stress that, that paralyzes me, that's got me hyped up on antidepressants, that's got me hyped up on boxes of Twinkies, you're, you're just saying all that stuff is just in my mind? No, I'm not trying to belittle your stress. I'm not trying to belittle the impact that stress has on our lives. I'm not even saying that there aren't some really good things and some great people out there that can help us to deal with stress in our lives. What I'm saying is simply this. Jesus was not a magician doing tricks for kids at Vacation Bible School. Jesus was not a motivational speaker trying to help people have their best life now. Jesus 
was and is the Son of God. Jesus was and is the Savior. Jesus was and is the Redeemer. Jesus was and is the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord. He is the King. This is who Jesus is. And so what I'm saying is that if you are believing in and relying on and trusting in and clinging to Jesus, then don't ever forget that he is constantly saying to you, do not let your heart be troubled. He is constantly saying to you, do not worry, do not be afraid. He is saying to you, you may not have clothes like King Solomon, but I will take care of the wildflowers, so I will take care of you. And he is constantly saying to you, I will never forsake you, and I will never fail you. So let's don't spin through 2017. Let's don't spin around and spin around and and get dizzy from worry this year. Let's very simply turn to Jesus, and let's consider the lilies. Let's consider the the power and the authority and the majesty and the beauty of God in wildflowers in the woods and remember that he cares for you more than those wildflowers. Let us have a good remembration. Let us not worry. Let us consider the lilies. Let's pray. Father, thank you for making Jesus so fantastic. Thank you for making Jesus beyond our imagination. Thank you for making our salvation incredible medicine for every second of our lives. And God, most of us struggle at times with worry and stress. And so would you help us as we begin this new year to not stress out about resolutions but maybe to put in our minds that reminder that you are God and we are your people and that you never stop working. And so would you help us maybe to start fighting a little harder? That when we're in those moments and when our normal thing is to yell at the nurse for why it's taken so long, Would you help us to to fight a little harder so that the normal thing would be in that moment that we know the gospel will prevail and that the Prince of Peace is our friend? God, would you give us that kind of fight this year? Help us fight for joy. Help us fight for peace. And help us remember that our fight will require so little energy because, Jesus, you have already won the battle. Give us hope. Give us hope in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.